scanning for audio. Welcome, welcome to a Tin Dog Podcast, this time talking about episode 5 of the 2017 series of Doctor Who on TV, Oxygen. Now, let me cast your mind back, if you don't mind, to, well, a certain TV show that was on in the 80s. I know some of you weren't around in the 80s, but bear with me. This TV series was a sitcom on Channel 4, my all-time favourite sitcom ever. It was surreal in a way that the mighty Bush dreamed of being. Well, not quite, but it was tremendously well written. It was Nightingales, starring Robert Lindsay, who most people know from Citizen Smith or GBH or My Family, or a host, and I truly mean a host of other things. The guy who eventually became very famous in Shameless, but to me he'll always be Belle, and the bloke out of Zedcast. Now... In the last ever episode, the three security guards, because that's basically what the whole plot is, it's the adventures of three security guards in an office block at night, they receive a gift from head office, a cake, and they become suspicious. They must eat the cake by a certain time. This makes them more suspicious, and they check the security cameras, because on the security cameras, the new staff have turned up. The cake is poisoned. Head office want to kill them. Now, admittedly, in this storyline, the replacements are three people who look exactly the same. Hilarity obviously ensues, and it is by far the last ever episode. But basically, head office wanting to kill the staff and replace them with cheaper alternatives is an ongoing theme that you'll see here in Oxygen. I'm not saying it's ripped off at all. I'm saying it's an example of some people's view of capitalism. The logical extreme of it. Now, I know some people out there have said, oh, this marks the end of capitalism and the turning over into, well, Star Trekky, let's all do without cash because we're all fine. But I've seen Deep Space Nine. I know that the Star Trek universe is still cash-based. And let's face it, cash is basically a glorified barter system with a middleman. You work. You do some work. In exchange, you get given tokens representative of money, representative of what you've earned. Because it doesn't actually exist. Money doesn't exist. These tokens exchanged for other goods and services. So basically, money is a middleman. Now the problem is it with it not actually existing in any form other than a concept, an idea. Because gold isn't money. Gold is an actual thing. So you can swap money for gold. But even then, gold's kind of useless. That's not important. I'm not going to bother explaining capitalism to you and the fact that it's all made up at any other point. Because... Well, you don't get this kind of argument in the States. Let's face it, the land of the free, the home of the brave, and the place where anything can happen is based on cash. And it takes a big man, Mr Roddenberry, to deal possibly with a society that's not based on cash. But here in Doctor Who, 
this is not the end of capitalism. This is the end of capitalism in space because space is dangerous. A lot of people seem to have missed that, but I'm ahead of myself. Now, there's an important few things happened this week. Number one, very important. Big Finish have announced that there's going to be a 10th Doctor series of audios, and this time it's with Rose, Billy Piper and Tennant together on audio. If you think you were excited about Donna, imagine how excited everyone else is going to be about Rose. This is bums on seats territory. This is open my wallet and take my cash territory. This is the sort of good news that everyone likes. Well, mostly. The only thing that could possibly be more exciting than this would be a certain Mr. Eccleston going, you know what, these big Finnish people sound alright, I'll give them a go. I can't see that ever happening, but you just don't know, do you? But, back to Oxygen. Oh, no, I'll discuss the next time trailer at the end of this. Because let's face it, not everyone out there watches the next time trailers on purpose. So, I've covered the fact that this isn't the end of capitalism. It's merely the end of capitalism in space. But with a general election just round the corner in Britain, it's nice to see something classically Doctor Who and classically left-wing, I'm looking at you, Mr Hulk, in order to, you know, return to Pertwee basics. Yes, I know that basically most time travel stories eventually come down to the Bill and Ted mantra of let's just be excellent to each other why can't we all be nice to each other for a change but then of course you all end up being nailed to a tree for that one. Oh, you know in the whole things i missed can you imagine a line about jesus not him being black just in general just a general line about jesus and religion turning up in classic who that's something we've all just missed because it just didn't register with a lot of us interesting so the whole business about being too greedy for communism to work, being too caring for capitalism to work, being too rebellious for a dictatorship to work, all that business. We don't need to go into that business because you're an intelligent bunch of people. You already know this. One thing you also already know is that I can't stand zombies. I just can't. I've never liked them. I've got a serious issue with them. It's the whole living dead aspects. Again, vampires, got no problem with them. Werewolves, no problem. Aliens, no problem whatsoever. Variety of different ones. They've all got weaknesses, they've all got stuff going on, but zombies just keep coming. Now, obviously there's the well-known theory that uh, monsters represent the class structure, especially in Britain. It's the sort of thing that media students really like latching onto. To quickly explain, you've got the upper class being vampires. They're the people leeching off the underclass and everyone below them in order to survive and keep going. You can make someone into one of you, but there's no going back. There you go. That's your vampires. Werewolves are the middle class. They're the people who have no say in their destiny. They obviously have to become a monster from time to time in order to survive, but they have their weaknesses. They're the weakest part of this whole argument. And then you've got the proletariat, the people, the working class or the underclass. They are voiceless. They have no real motivation other than to eat and consume and spread and reproduce. They hear by biting each other. This is zombies. This is not the people in oxygen. Bear with me. And that is the sort of thing that people bang on about in media studies lectures. You know, I genuinely should just do a podcast where I teach everyone media theory so that you don't have to have a media studies degree. Because let's face it. You don't really need one. What you need is practical ability and experience. And I'm sure you can get that yourself. Am I rambling? Perhaps. So, 
My dislike of zombies is fair enough. It's well catalogued. It's also not important because here we don't have zombies. What we have are dead people inside suits. Just like the mummy story wasn't about a mummy, it was about a soldier who happened to be dressed in bandages. All of these things that Mr. Matheson produces are twists on classic horror films, but given back to us in a lovely, easy-to-consume sci-fi package. Yes, you can argue that this one's anti-capitalism with a touch of anti-racism, and you've got, say, Thin Ice, which is anti-racism with a touch of anti-capitalism, but they're both the same thing of let's be excellent to each other. And we're back to that argument again. So, you've watched it. And all the old classic fans like me have been banging on, going, ooh, space under siege. Extra corridors to run up and down, and that's the sort of thing we like. We know we do. And the design of the place, it's so real in space that you almost expected Troughton to come trundling round the corner, going, oh, sorry about that. One quick question. The Blue Man. Do you think he's related to the Blue Man in the end of the world? His race. Or perhaps, do all blue people look the same to me? And is that racist? Perhaps. I guess not, because that is, of course, much, much later. Yes, the fact that at the end they choose to go to head office, which, you know, if ever you've had experience of going to a head office to try and change something, you'll know that always works and always goes well. If they're willing to kill you off in space, I'm sure they're willing to kill you off on land. But perhaps this happens at a similar time to the gangers. They're also going to head office, and there's a queue of disgruntled employees all lined up on the subject of which, did this or did this not remind you of the classic Doctor Who story, The Sunmakers? Were you expecting some money-grabbing evolved piece of fungus to be at the heart of it all, rather than, say, an algorithm? Let's imagine the algorithm was created by the same creature that was in The Sunmakers. But here, at least, the Doctor's bothering to learn. He's bothering to go, I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to give you the tools to sort things out yourself. Because in The Sunmakers, he forms a revolution, activates the revolution, the revolution happens. And what happens to the other eight megacities underneath their suns? A rebellion crushed by others. The guy really needs to think these things through. Or perhaps they're just unseen adventures. So, of course, I like this. It's a no-brainer. It's a base under siege, and you know from experience how much I like those. I like the fact that they're filmed in studio. Have you noticed that more and more stuff's being filmed in studio? There's very little location work anymore. It's as if we're returning back to good old-fashioned values. I know that it's more controllable for the directors, but it is nice to know. Yes, the whole Bill's dead thing, and we know she won't be because she's, you know, hanging around. But the one shiny thing from this whole story for me was Matt Lucas. I've had a love-hate relationship with Matt for years. Well, his work, not for him, obviously. And it's much easier to differentiate between him and his work. Yes, I didn't like him in X, or I did like him in something else. But you know what? In this, the performance is perhaps the most understated you've seen. And that was glorious. Even the gags about Thelma just worked. Is there not a David Bowie reference in every episode, but in fact... A Scooby-Doo one. Interesting. I'll do some research and get back to you on that one. But yes, his performance is Nardal, as everyone seems to be pronouncing his name these days, as opposed to Nardal, is great. Yes, there's a whole I am the conscience of the Doctor chirping over your shoulder, but he's also so much more than that. He's bothering with the exposition. I'll explain later, says the Doctor, 
Noddle, I'll explain now. It's just great. Now, whether he's a robot or not, let's discuss this, because some people out there, of course, have argued that he shouldn't actually have needed a spacesuit because he's a cyborg. Now, let's assume for a fact that the head is the only organic component of him left. The body is basically a cyber suit keeping him alive, okay? Now, not a particularly well put together one. It could, let's say, for example, it's Handel's body. Yeah, there's a bit of head cannon for you. You've got Handel's, the head, which was the doctor's companion, and then you've got his body that was lying around. That body, that cyber body, plugged straight underneath Nordal. Well, I know it won't really work because obviously Cybermen have cyber parts inside of them, but hey, it's a head cannon. I can do whatever I want. So he's got a robot body, but that robot body has to provide his brain with a blood supply and with oxygen and with nutrients. Otherwise, he'll just fall over and die. So, yes, he does need oxygen. The same amount of oxygen that his brain is always required. Possibly less than everyone else's. Or perhaps he's more of a cyborg body and it's his old body put together with some metal parts. Or there is the other argument that in his pocket he had some nuts that he just happened to drop out of his pocket. And he's perfectly organic. I'm sure all of these things will never truly be explained because they're so much more fun in your own head. And then, of course, the thing he's most warning about, the thing in the vault. Now, here's some arguments. Is it the master in one of the forms in the vault? Arguments in favour of that are A, we know Missy's in next week's episode. B, it's only the halfway through point. Now, it would be something really strange if it was the Pandora and it had a payoff and it was, say, Amy in it, that kind of thing. It's the end of the series payoff. But it's a mid-series payoff. Something that's not as exciting and will lead into the rest of the adventures. Therefore, it's much more logical to be Missy or the Old Master. The half a pound of Tuppany Rice Pop Goes the Weasel thing. Yes, that is so much more Missy than anything else. So that's what's leaning me in that direction. The fact that you've got Time Lord physiology might be able to help his eyes. Because let's face it, a blind doctor, I'm just not convinced about. So... Apart from the ending, oh no, the Doctor's now got a weakness. The thing in the vault's going to get out. And next week we know that the thing in the vault's probably going to get out. Fine. But you know what? Let's not let that distract from a cracking story. More of the same, or more of something quite similar. Perhaps even better. And with that, I'll fade away and let you all watch Doctor Who. I hope you've enjoyed the recent interview with Mark Wright. The longest Tin Dog podcast I've ever done. If you haven't heard it, go back and experience it. He discusses far too many things, marvellously. So until next time, be seeing you. That was the Doctor Who Tin Dog Podcast, available on iTunes, YouTube, Twitter, RSS, Vimeo, and across the internet. Doctor Who and its associated properties are all copyright and trademark of the BBC. No infringement is intended. Why not become a supporter by visiting patreon.com slash tindog. Contact the show on tin-dog at hotmail.co.uk. The Tin Dog Podcast is a founder member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. 